we started talking about the blessings of unrestrained love. The blessings of that love that is everlasting, has no beginning, has no end. But it's also the love that God expects us to also show towards us others. You know, let me read Romans 8. I read a couple of verses. I'm going to read scripture to you, and I'm going to read scripture to you. Then when I finish, I'll read more scripture to you. Then finally, I'll read a bit more scripture. Then just before we go, we'll read just some more scripture. And we'll be on our way. Maybe I'll read from verse 30, Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. I'm reading the NLT. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Nothing can separate us from God's love. We have to be careful when we are saying some of these things because when we open our mouth and say nothing can separate us from God's love, then we have to add, is it true? Are we sure? What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself, has given us right standing with himself. Don't be so brokenhearted when people are accusing you of things you know you haven't done or you haven't said. Don't try and justify yourself. Jesus was accused. So you and I, we have to be ready for a bit of it. And don't let it swallow you. I feel like I'm really, I don't want us to take that attitude into 2021. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just praying that when we go into 2021, we are not going to allow that to happen to us. Nobody can condemn us. Verse 34, the Bible says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Jesus Christ died for us and was raised to, li to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right and pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Christian brothers, Christian sisters, stop equating your Christian faith with challenges, with setbacks. Nothing, nothing, whether you're going through trial, persecution, it does not change God's love for you. It does not change the fact that you're a child of God. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Despite all these things. How many of you know that 2020 we had all these things? All these things. I like when scripture does not, it's not specific on the things. Then you can fill in the blank. All these, all these things. All these, all these things. Yeah, all of it. We still get overwhelming victory. And I am convinced. Are you convinced? 
that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, scripture is declaring this, and we are also supposed to declare it. But my question to us is that, do we have our personal, individual conviction? Are we fully persuaded about Christ's love for us? And about our love for Christ and everything that concerns him. Are we fully persuaded? Are we fully convinced? Because we are saying that this unrestrained love is everlasting. It's an ending. But for you to have that level of love, you must be totally convinced. You must be fully persuaded. You must be. Otherwise, how would you do it? You must be able to say in spite of whatever happens, it doesn't matter. You know, and I'm saying this because when you read scripture, you realize that those even those who came face to face with Christ and walked with him, it took them quite a while to be persuaded. It took them quite a while to be fully convinced. When you read Matthew 16, verse, from verse 13, Jesus had to question them because, you know, he had done so many Miracles that they had seen. You know, he had fed 5,000. He had fed 7,000, you know, with five loaves. With, uh, he had, with four loaves. I mean, just live, he had done amazing miracles. And then he's, they have, they've come to the other side. They are talking. And the people are still thinking in a certain way. You know, he's talking about what the Pharisees and the uh, 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 Sadducees and the things are worshiping and what they idolize and you know and the people were thinking about bread food to eat because they forgot their bread and it's like really you know and he perceived that their mind was on these things remember these things that's why Matthew 6 he was saying that you know don't worry about this because even the men of this they're also seeking after these, these things these things and he said he asked all the disciples who do men say that I, the son of man, I am? Who do men say? He has all the disciples. Then all of them started talking. Yeah, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Some say one of the prophets. Yeah, people. Because we all know who is Christ, our Savior. Who is Christ, our Lord. Who is Christ, the King of Kings. Who is Christ, who is Christ, who is Christ. Okay, who do you say I am? And there was silence. And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was amazing. I was even thinking that, so what did the other disciples say? And what were they thinking? Because when he came to John the Baptist, Jeremiah, they, the Bible says that they said, so all the disciples had one, Jeremiah. Yeah. But you, who do you say? Then it was Peter who said, you are the Christ. Which sounded like, ah, and then Jesus was like, mm, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven, you know, then he gave, it will be Peter upon this rock, amazing, 
By the time we get to the end of the same chapter, Peter is saying, God, it shall not happen. You are not going to die. You are not going to the cross. You are not. Oh, Satan, the seeing rock had become set. Because you realize that, listen, it is, takes time and effort, and you have to take yourself through that journey to get to the place of conviction and persuasion. Because Peter, who was even there, seeing all the signs, who had even had a revelation on one, was still struggling with one. So we can say that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. But really, when the rubber meets the road, when Jesus tells them that, listen, I have to go to Jerusalem, I'll be crucified on the third year, then suddenly it's like, hey, yeah, I, I can understand you doing a lot of things, but dying, Jesus, means that he's not convinced that Jesus will, even if he goes to the grave, he's going to rise again. Yeah, and you realize that even say, though we say we love, it is limited. It is subjective. It is based on what pastor is saying or what we have heard or how we were brought up. I'm a Christian because I come from a Christian home. I'm a Christian because, yeah, church is what we do. We have to move away from that. You have to get to the place where you have your personal conviction. You are fully persuaded. You, you know, that's why in Philippians 3 verse 1, Paul was saying the fact that, listen, for me to say it to you over and over and over and over again, it's not grievous, but for you, it is safe. Yeah, spending time in the word and understanding the word and listening to the same message over and over and over and over, for you, it is safe because faith comes by hearing. Yeah, we hear someone 30 minutes on a Sunday, then we hear nonsense for the rest of the week. What do you think you'll be convinced about? What do you think you'll be persuaded about? What do you think you would love more? Do you know that the person who's around you more is the person you tend to fall in love with? Do you know that? Yeah. The thing that is around you more. I've been giving good examples. I want to remain in my good example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the thing that you like, the, the Holy Spirit says I should keep that as Christmas. I shouldn't give it. The thing that you are around a lot, you end up liking it more. You see, a lot of us will say, oh, maybe I like pepper or I don't like pepper. I don't eat chicken or I don't eat this. But you come to realize that it's because maybe it's food that you grew up with. It's food that you were always around. It's not that you like it, but that is what you are used to. That is what you have consumed from a very young age. If you want to have conviction and persuasion about the love of God for you and about the fact that you love God, you have to expose yourself more and more and more to God, to Christ, to the things of God. Expose yourself to it. Yeah. You can't use two minutes, three minutes, you know. Yeah, Sunday service. Well, no. Reverend has told already that Sunday we just come to be trained. We come to have understanding, to go and live our Christian life. This is not your life. This is just the place that you are empowered. This is just the place that you get understanding. But your Christian work, it is you and God. It's not even a community thing. Yeah. So especially for the young ones, don't think that you come to church because your parents bring you to church. Begin to have understanding of your relationship with God. It will be tested. It will be tried. The reason why it doesn't last is because you are not totally convinced. Yeah. Don't raise your hand. How many of you thought you loved somebody, then later you realized you were not fully persuaded? 
No, don't raise your hands up. Don't raise your hands up. Don't, don't, don't raise your hands up. But, yeah, you know. I mean, and there was a time that it, no matter what you are told, you won't change your mind. Yeah, Pastor, you come around to liking him. You come around to liking her. No, she's not the way. She, you know, he's really, oh, he doesn't, you don't know. I'm telling you, you know. I, I, yeah, I was like, yeah, really? So it doesn't, so no, this, the way our love is, it doesn't matter. It has already been tried by fire. It has already been tried by, hey. Six months down the line. How's water, Melendra? Pastor, can I come and have a meeting with you? I'll have a conversation with you later. Because you were not fully persuaded. You were not fully persuaded. Yeah. Some of us, we are, we are the, the school that we're going, every faculty has seen us before. Every faculty, we have tried this. We went to do history, it didn't work. Went to the geography department, it didn't work. When, at a point, we decided that if history and geography, are, we're going to do science. You are not fully persuaded. You know, when sometimes we watch some of these X factors and things, do they still do those things? They still, okay. You know, and sometimes, especially a person who wins or a second or third, they sort of share their story, their life journey, you know, and then you find somebody saying that, you know, they, their parents wanted them to do A, but they wanted to uh, sing and make music, whatever. So they ended up on the streets and they were begging and they were, you know, you know, when they play on the streets and put their cup down, basking and get it, you know, this. And, they, and, and now they're on X Factor and then they win. Then they're on an album. And, it, that, and that is so sad because that person is an unbeliever. But they had total conviction that they will be musicians and were ready to sleep on the street till they made it. And for us, we say we have conviction about the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But even when somebody insults you in church, the love of God is gone. When pastor doesn't say hello to you, the love of God, God is gone. When they were choosing somebody to sing solo, they didn't choose you, the love of God is gone. Yeah. When we come to church and maybe they were greeting, you know, and then they had, yeah. Maybe pastor is preaching, you know, he's like, as for all those who are in red dresses, you know, why? Eh, but I'm in a red dress. Mary's in a red dress. It's just pink or red. Yeah. Get offended. A lot of things can separate us from the love of God. We don't see him for weeks. We call you. Pastor, I don't know what's going on. I've lost my job. That is even more. Do you know that when you love somebody and they are going through a challenge, that's when you are closer to them. That is when you are there to reassure them. That is when you stand by them. That is when you share with them. That is. But when it comes to, the times we get excited is when we have a testimony to share. Yeah. Can I preach? Yeah. When we get victory, we wear white, white, and we bring our whole extended family. Why? <laughs> bring, and then we stretch them all on the stage. Want to thank God. <laughs> Pastor, can I sing a song before I share the testimony? And you see, it is a good thing to do that. But that is a partial relationship with God. Yeah. 
What about when you are struggling? What about when you are challenged? What about when you can't see victory? What about when you have setbacks? That is when the love is tested. Look how many people backslid in 2020. Look how many people don't want to even hear about anything to do with God. Jesus is in my heart, this church thing. But there are men in your heart and you still go and see them. Just keep them in your heart and stay at home. Preach, pastor, preach, preach, pastor, preach. Listen. It's amazing. You see how we make a mockery of our faith. And we make unbelievers even look down on it because we ourselves, we are not sure. We are not sure. Sometimes people who are not Christians know more things about the Bible than you do. You yourself, you can't even explain basic things to them. So is heaven located up in the sky or is it down there on the ground somewhere? Let me give you one more so we can go. Let's read John chapter 15. Unrestrained love is sacrificial and requires sacrifice. It's sacrificial and it requires sacrifice. John 15, the Bible says in verse 9 to 13, it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Listen, it takes sacrifice to remain in any relationship. It takes sac- Some people began this year in a relationship. We are in December. They are in their third or fourth relationship. It takes sacrifice to remain in a relationship. Ask all those of us who are married. Come and ask us. How come we are still married? It is a continuous sacrifice. You have to sacrifice space. You have to sacrifice time. You have to sacrifice even what you want to watch. Somebody wants to watch football. Somebody wants to watch comedy. Somebody wants to watch news. You have to sacrifice. You you used to roll on the bed from the left to the very end, almost fall. Now you have half space. You roll halfway. You have to leave the rest for somebody. Move, move, stop snoring, stop snoring. You have to sacrifice to maintain any relationship. And it is not a one-time sacrifice. It's a continuous sacrifice. We like everything to be easy. You like we you see, I don't know if they do romantic books. When I was young, they had a lot of books, you know, that talked about in fact, even the cover of the book, you see um the man on a horse and comes and carries this, you know, 
the books from beginning to end, and then the man is shining whatever comes, and they say, yeah, those are in books. They are in Mills and Boone, yeah. There, so by the time you are 21, you are looking around for the horse. You are looking around. I tell you people all the time, listen, when you have a relationship where the conversation, when you are beginning a relationship with you, and then all the conversations, I love you, I've missed you. Oh, you, you, listen, you haven't gone far. Your relationship is not even starting. Yeah. That is a very shallow relationship. I missed you. I, listen. Those conversations, if you have them continuously for about seven or eight months, you, are, you, have just, you have wasted seven or eight months. <laughs> and so we bring that same thing into our faith. Do you understand? So every time, I love you, Lord, and I. But that's why he continues to say that if you obey, then you remain. Because, you see, I love you, Lord. Then he will say, stop smoking. Stop having sex with people who are not your wife or your husband. Stop watching all that nonsense. Listen, you know, when scripture says to obey is better than sacrifice, what scripture is saying is that obedience is the highest form of sacrifice. Because you see, sacrifice is what I decide to shed, what I decide to put on the altar. What obedience is what I have been instructed to do. What makes marriage work is when we obey the word of God, not when we choose. As for me, I would love my husband and all that, but you know, these kind of things, some of those scriptures, they were 2,000 years ago, submit unto your own husband, please, so those ones, they're not, you know. Obedience is obedience, and there's a greater reward in obedience. Sacrifice is good, but sacrifice is low level. You have to reach the place of obedience. That is when it is tested. That is when it is tested. That is when it is, that's why especially for the ladies, I always tell you when you are going to marry, please take some time, put away that I love you and those things and take your time and look at this man and decide that if the final decision has to come from him, can I accept? So far, all the decisions he has taken in his personal life are so foolish. And now you are going to marry him and he's bringing that anointing to your home. And as a pastor, I have no choice but to go by the word of God and let you know that I'm praying for you, but go home under the unction of your husband. Yeah. That is why when you put more effort in then, it is better. Preach, pastor, preach. Because you see, when you have to obey, it means that you have to do what may not naturally come to you. And unrestrained love 
we don't choose who we are nice to. We don't choose who we have to be good to. As a Christian, if you're working in unrestrained, look at you. We have to love you. Look at me. You have to love me. Which means that if we are going to use how we feel, you won't always love me. And I won't always love you. But we do it out of obedience, not out of sacrifice. Yeah. And it applies to even our giving. We give when we are excited. We give when, you know, money has come into our pocket. No. No. Yeah. Even companies and things know that sometimes when they are going through struggling times, that's when they try and do philanthropic things to have an opening. Yeah. And he says that they lay down their lives. Unrestrained love, you have to lay down your feeling. You have to lay down your pride. You have to lay down. You have to lay it down. A proud person struggles in marriage. A proud person struggles in any relationship. Have you had a proud housemaid before? Have you shared a flat with someone who's really proud? We used to have a lady who shared a flat with two other ladies. She used to invite them to church. They never came. One day they came to church, and then they somebody invited them, and they came to church, and then they saw her. So after church, they came to me, and I was like, oh, you know, we are so happy to have you. I hope you come again. And they were like, they really enjoyed the service, and they would really love to come. But this lady, <laughs> I said, oh, why? And she was a very helpful member of the church. She used, oh, she was so helpful. She used to pick people up. Oh, always serviceable. Pastor, do you want a water? Pastor, would you like a drink? Mm, yeah. She had a name for me. If I, um, yeah. yeah oh. I said, oh, what has she done? That's my daughter. Pastor, since we came to do our, I think I was doing masters, I was doing whatever. And she was the youngest, so these were grown-ups with their children. <laughs> she had a to-do list and not to-do list. Do not leave spoon on the sink. Do not leave, when touch the, when the, uh, electricity goes below this, make sure when in the bathroom she had a poster, when you touch, when you eat, make sure within five minutes of eating your plate is washed. When, hey. I told them that me too, if I was in the house, me too, I won't come to church. <laughs> so I had to call her to come and apologize to them. I told her she's going to pull all those papers. I said, what kind of nonsense? See, as for me, I can't tolerate that, and I can't tolerate this. I said, they, too, they can't tolerate your nonsense. Real love. Yeah, real love. You have to lay yourself what you like. You have to put it aside so that others also can be saved, so that others also can know God. Because you are the only Christ they see. You are the only Christ they encounter. And that is the image you give. It's not an easy thing. Let's stop treating our faith like it's some, you know, sidebar chick. You know, it's like you have your wife and Jesus is your girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever. No, that is the main thing. That is the main thing. Reverend Preacher said, who are you when no one is watching? Who are you when you are not in church? Who are you at your workplace? Who are you in your school? Who are you? Who are you in the shop? Who are you on the bus? Who are you when you are driving? Yeah. So, yeah. Some of us need to repent. 
Yeah, 2020, I've started driving slowly. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Sheila, I tell you. Yeah. Now you will sit in my car again. Yeah. But you always sit in my car. Aren't you still alive? Yeah. You know, I, I tell Reverend all the time, you know, Reverend Kiran and all these, uh, Alfred and Co., they are always cautioned they are driving. They always get a uh, speeding ticket. And me, I have never got one. The angels go before me. They go about me. They are round about me. Oh, but you see, the grace of God too must not be taken for granted forever. So at some point, maybe when you are running out, you won't know when you are running out. So 2020, we have put an end to. In fact, one day, Shailene and uh, Phoebe were telling me that they see improvements. I told them that don't sit in my car again, all of them. <laughs> They will not sit in my car. Yeah. Yeah. Look at how many decades I've been driving. Never. I've never had points on my license. Never had a. Sometimes, even when the camera is coming, my car slows down. Want to end here? We'll continue next. How many of us want us to continue this message? I think it's a message. I think it's a message. Listen.